Welcome to Future Hindsight. I'm Mila Atmos. How is the census vital for our democracy? That's our main question for our guest today on Future Hindsight, Ashley Allison. She's the Executive Vice President of Campaigns and Programs at the Leadership Conference, which is the nation's premier civil and human rights coalition. It works on a wide range of issues, representative of the breadth of today's civil rights movement, from immigration and disability rights to the census and religious freedom. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Let's start with the basics. The constitutional requirement to count each person, whether they're citizens or not, is based on the item the federal government had to do when the country was first established. It's basically job number one. What data does the census gather and why is that important? So we have a decennial census, which means that every 10 years, the government is charged with counting all people living in the United States. The reason why that's important is because people move. I'm from Ohio originally. I've lived in New York City and now I live in Washington, D.C. It's important to know how many people live in a certain state for a couple of reasons. There's political reapportionment reasons, so it determines how many congressional seats you have in your office. And so every 10 years, that process happens through the census and then redistricting occurs. There's also important data that is collected. Every time a road is built, a hospital is built, a school stays open or closes, a library stays open or closes, a grocery store is built in your neighborhood, two pharmacies show up versus one, it's all because you need to know what services are needed to support a community. And census data is used for all of that. Businesses use it, government use it, everyday people use census data. What happened with the 2010 census and what are the gaps in information that we need to address today? So in 2010, the census was done by paper. People received their form, they filled it out, they sent it in a mail, or they could return it to a census office, or they had someone called an enumerator come and knock on their door and say, hi, you haven't completed your census, and we want to make sure that you're counted. In 2020, this is going to be the first high-tech census. So people are going to be able to go online and fill out their census form on the internet, which is great because people will be able to do it on their phone and have easy access to it. But we also have an issue of the digital divide in our country. There are communities that don't have access to high-speed internet, and so they won't have as easy of a pathway to fill out the census. And unfortunately, currently the census is being underfunded. The amount of people like in 2010 that went and knocked on doors, there were enumerators to count people, has decreased substantially. And so people, they are expecting technology to be the resource to make sure people fill it out. But if you don't have access to technology, how can you do that? And if you don't have someone following up with you, you could potentially go and not be counted. There's also an additional complication that we are seeing there is a lot of fear in our country right now. Immigrants are being targeted. Communities have some distrust of the government, rightfully so, based on some of the political behavior that we've seen from this administration. In the spring of this year, there was an addition of a citizenship question. People are being asked about their citizenship status. That is really complicated, one, because for 10 years, people do testing on questions that are going to be asked. Will people understand it? Will they, you know, 
prevent people or deter people from being counted. And the addition of the citizenship question was not tested. So we don't know what impact it's going to have on people's willingness to complete the census. But what we do know is that there is a serious climate of fear in the immigrant community. And if you are concerned about being deported or having ICE or how your data is going to be used, the citizenship question that was not on the census in 2010 that is on the census for 2020 could be a big factor in deterring and decreasing the count. Tell us about undercounting. Who is at risk of being undercounted and what does that mean? What are the repercussions? So there are hard-to-count communities. The City University of New York has a great resource that's a map that really outlines the hard-to-count communities. And you won't be surprised, the hard-to-count communities are usually the marginalized communities on other issues. They're the African-American community, the disability community, the LGBTQ community, the immigrant community. There are communities that have been left behind in the social movement of our country, and so they become hard-to-count communities for various reasons. There are also some Sometimes communities that need the services that the census provide the most. So, for example, if you live in a dense urban area like Chicago and you don't complete your census for various reasons, either you don't have access to technology or you don't have an enumerator coming in or you're just busy with life and you forgot, the repercussions that it could have on a community like Chicago is great in terms of school closings. But there's also challenges within rural communities, right? It's hard for enumerators to go door-to-door in large, spread-out rural communities, and rural communities also don't have access to broadband internet. Undercounting in those communities also have a great impact because they also use a lot of social services like hospitals, but also WIC or Head Start, pre-K and education. There are a lot of challenges around making sure hard-to-count communities are actually seen and counted. And the unfortunate thing that I mentioned a little earlier is about the underfunding is that the Census Bureau also used to have partnership programs that are also decreased because of the lack of funding for the 2020 census. So community groups are having to really take up that burden and make sure that people know about the census and also are going to be counted in 2020. So aside from participating in the census, which is mandatory, correct? People who live here, they are supposed to participate in the census. You do not have to be American to participate in the census. You just have to be living in the United States. That is why it's so important for everyone to be counted and for people not to be afraid because of their immigration status to become invisible. So everyone should be counted because it's important to know how many people are living in this country so data can be used properly. But you're not going to go to jail if you don't fill out your census. Okay. What can we do in 2018 today to make sure that the census is done properly, despite the fact that it is being underfunded right now? Well, there's a couple of things. First, there's an election in November where people are on the ballot who believe that the citizenship question should be removed from the census. The American people have an opportunity to vote people in who don't want to continue to perpetuate a climate of fear. So people should vote in November for folks who do not want the citizenship question on the census. That's the first thing people can do. The other thing folks can do is get involved. So we are starting what we call our Get Out the Count efforts. We'll be launching a website very soon called censuscounts.org where you can see partners and you can see materials about how you communicate about the census and where you can really get engaged. And then in 2020, April 1st, 2020 is Census Day. People should open their phones, open their paper forms, and complete their census early and accurately and return it. Thank you. 
To return to the question of citizenship, who wants to know about citizenship and why, aside from scaring people? Well, currently, it's the Trump administration that wants to know about the citizenship status. Secretary Ross of the Commerce Department announced in the spring that the addition of the citizenship question would be added. Despite advocates and companies and people telling him the detrimental impact it would have on census, it was added. There is currently litigation going on right now, and I think the earliest court case is going to be starting in November in New York about why is the citizenship question added and the constitutionality of it and the impact that it can have. I don't want to speak to other people's intent, but I do know that this administration is an administration that has targeted immigrant communities in a way that is offensive to what our country should stand for, and I think that there are implications and undertones of the citizenship question directly linked to their actions for the census. There are six federal lawsuits that are challenging the citizenship question. What are the odds of the question being overturned, of having to get kicked out of the census? So we think the question being added is wrong. And I think people file lawsuits and become party to lawsuits because they also think it's wrong and they think they have a chance of winning court. I think one of the interesting things about One of the lawsuits is the U.S. Conference of Mayors, a bipartisan body of Republican and Democratic mayors, have joined party to say, take the question off. It's going to hurt our town and it's going to hurt our communities. I think there is a good chance that it can be removed through litigation, but we'll just have to wait and see with the evidence that's presented. We've seen over the summer, though, that some of the intent behind the addition of the citizenship question and some of the conversations um, around inside the administration involving Steve Bannon, the Justice Department, and Secretary Ross have been connected. And I think we'll see more evidence come out in the trial, and hopefully we'll be able to get the question removed. Why is the census a civil rights issue and important for our understanding of our history? I think the census is a civil rights issue because it's a part of our democracy. Our democracy is under attack. When you think about the judiciary, when you think about voting rights, when you think about civic engagement, and when you think about the census, they're all connected. And if you don't have judges on the court that believe in civil rights, that believe that People who are eligible to vote should have access without barriers of voter ID and preventing people who have already served their time because they're formerly incarcerated, stopping them to vote. If you don't believe that those individuals should be able to be civically engaged in their community, you also want sometimes people to be invisible in your country. Why the census is a civil rights issue is that people need to be seen, people need to be counted, and people deserve to live in this country free of fear. And so we view the census as a civil rights issue because it's a key cornerstone of our democracy. You've just laid out the risks of not participating, and those are pretty clear. I've also heard the last time there was a census in 2010 that people didn't want to participate because they wanted to be invisible. They felt that this was an intrusion of their privacy. And when you hear that someone says, oh, you know, I don't want to participate in the census, I'm not really sure why I need to do that, what would you say to try to convince them? Well, there are laws in place to ensure that the data that you provide for the census is protected and won't be used or misused for 
ill will or to bring harm to people. I think I would tell people to encourage them to participate in the census because when they are counted, they are seen and resources can come to your community. If you take public transportation and we don't know you're there and we don't know you use public transportation, how can we fund it properly? How can we make sure there's proper access for you to have a bus route come through your community? If we don't know you need a hospital in your community, if Companies don't know you need a grocery store in your community because they don't know how many people are residing there or how populations are shifting or how demographics are changing. We can't make accurate decisions. So in addition to the laws protecting the privacy, the census also is a short form. It's not intrusive. It, it is talking about your ethnicity. It talks about how many people are in your household. But it is not a very detailed form that is going to really get into your personal business. There should be some awareness that it is not going to be completely invasive and that you should be seen because you live in this country and you deserve to be seen. What is the historical participation rate in the census? Well, People are often undercounted. I can't give you the exact numbers because part of the challenge is if you don't know how many people are living there, you don't know how many people are actually not being counted. Um, We know in low-income communities, the way people um, have to do their housing, sometimes there are multiple families in one house. So you may think that this is a two-person home when there's really a full family living there of four people or five people. So we know that low-income communities... The disability community, the African-American community, young people, the immigrant community is definitely one that is at risk of being undercounted. And that is why groups like ourselves and our whole broad coalition work so hard to make sure we can be trusted messengers and let them know the importance of this count. The American Community Survey, or ACS, is an ongoing survey by the U.S. Census Bureau that helps officials, community leaders, and businesses understand the changes taking place in their communities. Like you mentioned, people moving, places growing and shrinking. It's the premier source for detailed population and housing information. How does it differ from the census, and how are they complementary? The ACS is a little more detail-oriented and goes and asks a lot more specific questions, but it doesn't actually go and talk to every single person. It's a sampling of the community, whereas the census, we are actually trying to get an accurate count of every single person that lives in this country. So ACS takes a sample population of our uh, of folks living in the country, whereas the census does the entire count of the country. How does that conduct it then? How do you find the sample group who determines that? That's something done through the Census Bureau, informed from the data collected from the census. But there are algorithms and people a lot smarter than me that understand data and mathematics on a much higher level that can figure out how they identify that sample size. I see. So then they do this after the census is completed. A census took place in 2010 and it's taking place in 2020. So it's in between. So the ACS is also at risk facing budget cuts and their efforts to make participation in the census optional. I think what is the consistent theme through this is the Census Bureau is an important institution in our democracy, and currently this administration and Congress are underfunding it. And ACS falls under that, but it is a broader belief that people should not be seen, people should not be here, and people should not be counted, and that is what we are working so hard to push against. In addition to voting for the people who want to properly fund the ACS and remove the citizenship question, what do you think is necessary to have a fair and accurate 2020 census? 
We currently have a leadership vacuum in the census. There is a census director nominee that is up for confirmation. And I think it's really important that the Senate do a thorough and full vetting of Dr. Steve Dillingham, who is up for the census director nominee. We want to ensure that he is committed, if he is confirmed into this position, to overseeing a fair and accurate census. He cannot be partisan. He cannot be a partisan operative or beholden to the president's political staff. He needs to be someone who can prove his stability, his expertise, and his independence in the Bureau needs to definitely be taking place over these final years in preparation for the 2020 census. If he is confirmed, he would be the person that we need to ensure can be fair and unbiased and not a political operative in this. I think the second thing is that because it is a high-tech census, that the technology is capable of supporting the demand that I think we will see by people completing it in that way, and that when the information is submitted, that it is safe and protected, and that the data that is submitted is not used improperly. Right now, we feel confident that we can ensure that. And then I think, most importantly, people have a very important role in this, and that is participation. You can't control a lot of things, but you can control what you do. And I think people taking the first step in voting, <laughs> I'm always an advocate of voting, and the census is going to be in 2020, so it will be a presidential vote again in 2020, but also complete your census. It's your civic duty. Yes, it is your civic duty. I agree with you. Is there a topic that we should be discussing vis-a-vis the census that I haven't covered? There is a way for everyone to get involved if you care about the census and you want a fair and accurate count. There are complete count committees that are being formed in every state. So if you're a nonprofit or you're a business or you're an individual who cares about our democracy, you can contact us at information at censuscounts.org. Again, that's information at censuscounts.org. And you can ask us how you get involved and we can connect you to the people in your state to join in making sure we have a fair and accurate census. What motivates you to be engaged on this issue? It's funny. I wrote my senior thesis in college on the census, on the multiracial question. I love the census. I think it's so important. I love our country. I believe that it's my duty because of all the people who have come before me and fought so hard for me to engage civically through voting, through completing my census, through informing other people about my census. So it is something that I kind of just pay tribute to my family who taught me about what it means to be in this country and what my responsibility is to make sure that this continues to be the country that I want to live in. Very well put. Looking into the future, what makes you hopeful? Young people make me really, really hopeful. They are our future. I think they're going to show up in November and say what they want this country to look like and who they want to represent in their country. I think the members of our coalition are very inspiring. Our coalition represents civil rights, but it represents all the diversity that makes America great. And we come together every day to work on census, voting, criminal justice reform, education, equity, judicial nominations, making sure we have a fair judiciary in the Supreme Court fight. And we band together. And when one community is under attack, we say not on our watch and we stand up for each other. That's beautiful. Thank you very much. Thank you. The census is foundational to our democracy. Government and businesses rely on census data to provide the necessary services that support communities, such as grocery stores, hospitals, schools, or bus routes, as well as determine political redistricting in areas that have significant demographic shifts. 
everyone in the United States needs to participate in the census in order to be seen and counted. The citizenship question that was introduced this spring could deter and decrease the count because people are afraid that it would undermine their safety and privacy. Undercounting hurts communities because it will imply that they need fewer resources. In 2010, the national participation rate by mail was 74%. Between April and July of that year, enumerators visited households that did not return a form. The U.S. population grew by 9.7% between 2000, the previous census, and 2010. As a result of the 2010 census, 18 states changed their number of congressional seats and electoral college votes, starting with the 2012 elections. Participating in the census or being properly accounted for impacts the basis for political power. Fill out your census by April 1st, 2020 to ensure as accurate a count as possible. For this upcoming season, I was thinking about what our future world is probably going to look like and interviewed guests with expertise in the economics of healthcare, the climate, data privacy, the cash bail system, the future of democracy, and more. Let us know what you think by emailing us at hello at futurehindsight.com. Until next time, I'm Mila Atmos. Thank you for listening to Future Hindsight. The executive producer and host of this program is Mila Atmos. The audio producer and music composer is Peter Fedak. The associate producer is Miriam Tsumbu. Find us online at futurehindsight.com and listen to us through your favorite streaming services. Thank you.